0: Hey, listeners, after five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers, and I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving, just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand.
1: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Bring spring
2: color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
0: Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker.
2: And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families.
0: Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 255, um, which is airing in late June of 2022. I am going to be interviewing Lisa Segner about working mom ambivalence. Not that Lisa is an ambivalent working mom now. She's actually very into her job, her career. She has a wonderful career in finance going on, a lovely family with two young boys. But she wanted to do this episode and talk about ambivalence because she found the first few months back at work after she had her first child incredibly challenging. And as part of that challenging, she really wondered if she was cut out to be a working mom. She sort of assumed she would be, but this transition was so difficult that it had her questioning that and whether she should, you know, stop working, you know, talking with her husband about whether that was feasible. But then after the first few months, things got a lot better. And she talks about how happy she was that she hadn't made any life-altering decisions in that state. And so that's probably a message that I think a number of our listeners We'll be very interested in hearing that, you know, those first few months can be incredibly challenging, but that often things do get better. And that if you are somebody who really does enjoy your career that you did before kids, the fact that you don't enjoy it for a couple of months is not necessarily a sign that you need to stop doing it for the rest of your working life. So just a little food for thought, uh, Sarah, how about you? Did you know you always wanted to be a working mom as you are now like the poster child for working mother here, Woodhood here, best of both worlds? Oh,
2: wow. We are poster children, huh? You are. Um, you are. I don't know that I am, but
0: <laughs> you, could, you could be.
2: <laughs> well, yes. I think I always assumed that I was going to work. I don't think I ever entertained the idea that I would be a stay-at-home mom, and yet, I absolutely always knew I wanted children. So even though I'm not sure I use the phrase working mom in my head, if I knew I wanted to have a job and I knew I wanted to have kids, I guess that's what I was aiming for. I recently published, um, as I was turning 42, I found a blog post. My first birthday blog post published on my blog when I was turning 25. I started the blog at 24. Just missed that birthday by a couple months anyway. And I mentioned having a job that I love and having two to three children. So (laughs) clearly, at least for quite some time, that was my plan. I did entertain the idea of working part-time at various times in my life. I think I, you know, especially once I met Josh, I was a little bit overwhelmed at the idea that we would both have, you know, big careers that, uh, whether that would be a manageable thing or not. Um, But, you know, currently I'm I'm more of a full-time person and plan on continuing that. So... Yeah, that's uh, pretty much was the plan. Yeah, excellent.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I sort of mostly assumed I would I would have kids at some point in my life. And I've always wanted to be a writer. Of course, that's a very sort of different career concept than something that's more a straightforward job description. So I'm not sure that I really thought it through of exactly how this would all fit together. But one thing I I do know, I mean I remember very well when I was pregnant with Jasper hearing a lot of narratives about how everything changes once you become a parent. You have absolutely no idea how you will feel and so you know you just have to see how it goes and see you know you, you know, like even if you think you want to continue in your career like everything changes, you know, you never know. And in my case, there was not a whole lot of working mom ambivalence. I have to say that, you know, I didn't like that narrative of like everything changes, but I you know, was willing to acknowledge like, I don't have a kid. What do I know? So we'll wait and see how it goes. <laughs> and then I had my baby and I felt like me with a kid. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, I didn't have a whole lot of desire to do Anything differently than what I was doing? Only also hang out with my kid as well, and I mean that's where I sort of developed the whole 168 hours concept because I realized that as I started looking into it and doing the math that there was quite a bit of time to be hanging out with my kid and doing all these other things that I wish to do as well. So you know, I kept singing in my choir and running regularly, and you know, writing and and certainly trying to build my career in that capacity. So yeah, I guess I mean. I don't know. I guess I didn't necessarily think working mom either as a, as a kid. Uh, that wasn't my particular aspiration. But since I felt I would probably have kids and I wanted to do something you know, in terms of having a, a career, uh, I guess the two went together. So there you go.
2: I wonder how many men get asked are told, you have no idea how you're going to feel after this baby comes. Well, the crazy thing, I mean,
0: even if they do feel very differently, they're not allowed to, right? Like, you know, that they, and in fact, in many cases, they're expected to step up. And I mean, putting in quotes here, be a man and like work more, take a higher paying job so that their wife or partner can work less or whatever. And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of issues there we could unpack as well. So, you know, for women, everything's supposed to change. And for men, it's not allowed to change. And if anything, you need to, like,
2: step it up, step it up,
0: right? Many, many bad messages out there, narratives that limit us all. Anyway, so we're going to hear from Lisa Segner here on her working mom ambivalence and why she's glad that she pushed through it and has built her wonderful career in finance with her growing family. Well, Sarah and I are delighted to welcome Lisa Segner to the program, She is a longtime Best of Both Worlds listener, which has also commented on our blogs. We appreciate all her comments there. So, Lisa, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Sure. Great. Thanks. It's nice to meet you, Laura. I'm excited to talk to you. My name is Lisa Segner. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I work for uh, an asset management company. I work in finance. I'm a CFA charter holder, um, Excel bond nerd. Extraordinaire, I guess. And I have two children. Uh, my youngest is almost 18 months and our oldest is four years old.
0: Wonderful. And so one of the reasons we, we really wanted to talk with Lisa is she had um, some experiences with uh, coming back to work after having her first child that I think are probably a lot of people experience. And so we really wanted to talk about that. I mean, when you were pregnant with your oldest son, I mean, what did you think your experience with Working parenthood would be. I mean, did you have a picture for what this would look like?
3: Yes, kind of. I mean, through my conversations with friends, I had children later in life. I was 37, almost 37 when I had, or just past 37 when I had our first child. So, you know, my friends had kids in the Midwest. People tend to get married younger and have children earlier. So I was, you know, able to see what my friends' careers were like after they had children and, you know, there was kind of two stories like we had i had friends who were very excited to come back from maternity leave and very relieved to return to their you know day-to-day life at work and then i had you know a couple of friends who decided to to stop working you know some went back to work for a while and then stopped working and some you know planned to not return to work i didn't have as many conversations with people who were you know struggling with their return to work it seemed like they were either happy to be back or they left the workforce. And similarly, I had a, you know, a sister-in-law that went back to work and then stopped working. So I kind of had these two ends of the spectrum, but not anyone in the middle who, you know, said they had a hard time and then eventually, you know, it got better. So I kind of, I love my job. I love my coworkers. So I expected to be fine with the transition back to work that it, you know, it's hard to envision before you have children, how it's going to impact your life. So I went into it expecting, fully expecting to go back to work. Never would have thought I'd be a stay at home mom. And then, you know, was kind of surprised by how much of a struggle I had returning to work. And I was fortunate. My company provided 16 weeks of maternity leave. I was able to, ex- I got four extra weeks using uh, paid time off. So a 20 week leave. So the baby was almost five months when he started daycare. Our kids go to daycare. So, you know, I had an older baby. I wasn't returning at 12 weeks like a lot of my friends and, and family members have. But it's I still found the transition back to be to be really hard.
0: Well, why don't you talk about that a little bit? I mean, what were the sort of practical aspects that were hard? I mean, one thing you mentioned is your your son maybe not napping as much during the day. So going to bed early at night. So, you know, going right. to an office because that's what people did then. um, <laughs> meant uh, you weren't seeing him that much during during the work or and various other things like so why don't you talk about like those first few days back and and you know why you were suddenly thinking like am i going to do this sure so you know it's surprisingly interesting you know the first day of drop off at daycare i didn't cry
3: i wasn't you know i felt like i was in the minority in not crying at drop off i totally trusted the daycare our kids go to a spanish immersion daycare and i know they do an excellent job there but i struggled with just how little time we were getting with him you know we were leaving the house at six fifty. We were getting home at five o'clock at night at the beginning. I remember in that that summer when he was five months, six months, he was barely sleeping at daycare. the our well, the son ended up being just a horrible napper during his time in the infant room. so for a while there we were putting him down for another little nap when he got home from work when we got home from work, and then we'd wake him up and we'd feed him, and then he'd go back to bed like an hour or two, probably an hour later. So we got maybe an hour with him in the evening, um, and of course we had our weekends together. Which you know, when when you look at your whole week as a span, and I was a follower and, and reader of your blog at that time, but you don't really realize. You know, it, it's hard to have that perspective. That okay, well, I'm still getting these long days with him on the weekend. So this short period of time on weeknights, you know, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a big deal. But in those early weeks and months after I returned to work, it was really hard. And I really enjoyed my maternity leave. I also had, you know, talked to friends who just were miserable during their maternity leave. They're just so, it kind of is monotonous. You know, every day is kind of the same day over and over. But I think because my maternity leave was in the summer and summer is a great time in Minnesota, I really enjoyed, you know, taking walks with him and all of of that kind of thing that we did together. So I enjoyed the time I had with him. And then, so jumping back into being gone, you know, 10 hours at least a day, getting an hour with him. And then he was a horrible sleeper too. And he had, you know, I ended up getting tubes at nine months. So he was up like three to five times a night in the fall. So my husband and I were splitting those because I was exclusively pumping for him. So that helped that, you know, we could split the nights, but I was exhausted. I was getting very little time with him. He was sick all the time, which is probably, you know, one of the biggest downsides of, of using a daycare approach to childcare. But, you know, we're on the other end of that spectrum now, and he's much healthier and doesn't get sick nearly as often. But those were kind of the main factors that, you know, made it difficult. And I also came, my organization had gone through some changes while I was out. So there was a lot of uncertainty. And so I came back at a time when people weren't sure, like if there was going to be layoffs or, you know, things of that nature, which is just very common in the financial services industry. We're an industry that's contracting. So Add in sort of some of that uncertainty and stress, and then missing my son during the day, you know, loathing pumping, which you had a blog post about, you know, the decision to pump or nurse for your child, and you know, I decided to stick to it, and I was pumping, you know, three times a day for most of that, you know, summer and fall. But that confluence of factors just made me wonder: Am I really meant to be a working mother? And you know, am I finding my career is so fully fulfilling? as I should? uh, Or does this mean that I should leave the workforce? And I had a lot of conversations with my husband about it. And he was like, whoa, 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 this is like a very short period of time. And you can't make a decision that has such impact on our lives over such a short period of time. So why don't you just like stick it out, work through it? You know, there's not a lot of finance jobs in our area. Minneapolis isn't, you know, a large financial sector you know, center like New York or other areas where it might be easier to find a job if I regretted leaving the workforce. So, you know, he was just like, don't make any rash decisions. Just, you know, talk about it with your friends, talk about it with coworkers that you trust and, you know, get through it. And then one thing that I did that I think was really helpful and that I've encouraged other people to do is I strategically used paid time off to get more time with him. So for the final three months of that year, I took every other Friday off. So I would get, you know, just a little bit extra time with him and I could really enjoy that, you know, extra day at home with him. And that seemed to really make a difference in how I felt about how much time I was getting with him.
0: Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, yeah, that specific conversation and, and what you were weighing in that, in that time. Um, we're just going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back with more with Lisa and her sort of early ambivalence on, on working motherhood and how that all played out. So I'm back with Lisa Segner. We're talking about her, um, you know, early working motherhood journey and uh, the sort of ambivalence she had with uh, going back to work and and sort of coming through that. I, I want to play back to our, our listeners a little bit about those conversations you were having with your husband. You mentioned he was like, "Whoa," <laughs> were you being like, "I can't do this"? I, how how do we, how are these conversations coming to be?
3: Yeah, basically, it's just you know, end of the day, we always had time to you know, we sit on the couch and we'd watch a show together and talk about our days and. And I, you know, I was actually a little bit like afraid to tell him that I wasn't happy at work. We have a very open, healthy relationship, but, you know, we both work in the same industry and we both, you know, we both got our CFA, which is a very difficult program to get through. We both have our MBAs. Like we've both invested a lot of time and money and hours into our careers to get to where we are. And, you know, we've made decisions. We, I mean, we are, we're a very frugal company, but, or sorry, frugal couple. But we rely on a certain level of income in terms of, you know, forecasting how to pay for things and, you know, especially after having children thinking about paying for their college education and things like that. And having a dual income family is, you know, is part of being able to do the things that we wanted to do with our lives. And I was just a person that genuinely enjoyed working. I didn't, you know, dislike working. So I think he was a little surprised because work was always such a huge part of my identity and I was a very driven person. So, you know, I started to say like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. Like this is grueling. I'm exhausted. I miss Paul. Our, our son's name is Paul. And, you know, he is a very, my husband's a very logical person and, you know, he's very good at having perspective. And he was, you know, he understood and and was compassionate towards me for how I felt, but also said, I think when you get further down the line, you would regret being home full-time, just knowing your personality and how much you like work and how hard you've worked to get to where you are with your, your career. So he was like, just keep plodding along and see if this gets better because it's been, you know, we were having these conversations when I was probably back about three months. So he's like, that's a very short period of time in comparison to how long you've been working. You know, it's a, a majority of your time as a parent or, you know, a big, big chunk of time since you've become a a parent or a good percentage of that, but just give yourself some more time to adjust to this new role of being a working mom.
2: And
0: and so you mentioned you had, you know, taken some, some PTO, you um, decided to strategically deploy that to, to get some more time with your son. Anything else that you, you did to sort of make those few months easier on, on you? That was the main thing. I mean, we made changes in the way we split
3: our division of labor. You know, prior to having a child, I did all the grocery shopping and then the meal planning and then the meal prep because I'm the cook of the two of us. And then at the end of my maternity leave, we started using, you know, grocery delivery and he hated it. My husband hated it. So uh, I said, okay, well, we can either use this or you can do the grocery shopping. And so he opted to take on the grocery shopping. And so and that was because I used to enjoy going to the grocery store on Saturday morning and getting out of the house and doing that. But then when that meant giving up time with our son, I didn't enjoy being away and doing those those jobs anymore. And so we you know really looked at how we were splitting our time. He now, you know, like I said, he does all the grocery shopping. He also contributes to the meal planning. It's not just me coming up with what we're going to eat. It's a discussion together and that mental load of trying to think of what we're going to eat. Distributing that between the two of us makes a big difference. So, you know, there's changes we made in that division of labor too, to make sure that I was getting as much time with our son as I could and making sure that, you know, the distribution of things you need to do within a marriage was more evenly split. But the main thing was the the time off and, you know, just having that extra day every other week that we didn't have any plans. We weren't going anywhere. It was just, you know, going to the park and spending time together, going on walks, you know, a lot of that was in the winter months. So it's not a great time of year in Minnesota, but it just gave me time to connect with him more
0: one-on-one. And you said that things did start getting better that, you know, when he was, let's say like 10 months or so. Yeah. That, I mean, although it sounds like he may have also had some medical issues that were then solved at that point, which probably helped matters too, (laughs) in terms of the sleeping. Yes. But, but that things you became, more comfortable with, with this role and with, you know, maximizing the time that you did have with him, but then also having this other aspect going on in your life.
3: Yeah. I think, you know, his social skills started, you know, it's when he starts to become more social and actually appreciating being around other kids. And I could see the benefits of him being with other kids and watching what they're doing. And, you know, I, before that, they're just not as aware of their surroundings. I mean, he would smile smile at other babies, but he started to have these little friends in his room. And yes, the you know having gotten tubes, he started to sleep much better. He still didn't sleep the, the night until around a year, but our sleep was much much better once he had that surgery in late November. And then, but yeah, it was just right around ten months when I also could see that I was not really made to be a stay at home mom. And like God bless women who have that calling because it is a, it takes a special. Person to do that job, and I don't think that I you know would have taught my son nearly as much as he's learned from his teachers at the Spanish immersion School as he learned. I wouldn't have thought he was capable of learning what he's learned, and so I think just recognizing the benefit he was getting from being around other kids and then just me you know probably settling back into my role, you know that I came back in late July, so Come January is when I started to really feel a difference and remark to my husband, like, gosh, I'm really glad that I didn't make a decision. Because now I can see that I would get kind of bored if I was home with him, I think. I just wouldn't feel as challenged and I would miss the interactions I have with coworkers and, you know, the feeling of, com- of accomplishment that I get at work. That was when I really started to to feel a shift in in that decision. And then I started to talk more about how I felt at You know, in the fall with other women at work, it's kind of a scary thing to share. You don't, you know, you don't want to be put on the radar as someone who's not grateful for their job or especially working in an industry where, again, we're just always (laughs) contracting. It seems like there's always layoffs and consolidations and and things of that nature. So you don't necessarily want to speak up and say, I'm not very happy right now and I'm questioning if I'm meant to, you know, be a working mother. But as I felt more comfortable sharing, especially once I was on the other side of that, feeling of needing to make a change in my career. I shared my story more. And from other women I heard, yeah, I went through the same thing. I had that same struggle. I'm glad I pushed through it because I would not be happy as a stay-at-home mom, but no one really talks about it. There's sort of this taboo sense of around the sharing that you're questioning if you're meant to be a working mom.
0: Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I think there's there's a couple things going on. I mean, one is that the length of maternity leaves in for many people taken you you even had a quite long one um, compared to many people. But because of the need to go back to the office that a lot of people have, this is obviously sort of different in the COVID era, and we'll talk about that too. But uh, it forces people into hard decisions at a time when, if that decision ha- could be postponed, like another four or five months, would probably be a lot easier to make. The second thing. Yeah is just that, well, just, you know, I I mean, it's too bad also though, that work in many cases, there's less flexibility about that. You know, it's like, you can't try out both roles and then see what you like, you know, it's, it's, you kind of, in many cases do have to make a decision on some careers. And I wish that weren't the case too. I mean, that people could come in and out and decide how they, how they're doing it. But you're Right. right, I mean, it's, it's hard to do that. And my industry is not open and it's not
3: really possible To work part time. You know, I also had, you know, said if only I could work, you know, like three days a week for a period of time until I felt ready to get back in. And yes, at this time, this was pre COVID where nobody was allowed to work from home. There was no flexibility whatsoever. It was, you know, if you took, you could take some time off or you could work from home on a day when you had a doctor appointment, but that was it. You couldn't have a recurrent work from home schedule. So it was just a very different work environment back then too. But yeah, it is too bad that you can't kind of test the water. Because so that was another thing that my husband was worried about is, well, what if you're, you know, what if you're miserable after two or three months, and then you can't undo that decision, you're never going to get a job. I mean, it sounds negative to say that, but it would be very hard to find a similar job to what I have now um, at the same compensation level. And, you know, I have great coworkers and a great boss. And that's, you know, those are irreplaceable, really. So it is too bad that you can't kind of test the waters. I have some friends that their maternity leave is like a phased return where they come back for like one day a week for a week or something like that. And then it's two days a week, and then it's three days a week, you know, and it gradually increases back up to a full-time schedule. And that just is not going to happen in the, the finance industry. But it, so it's kind of like you go from being completely home to being, you know, completely back at work. And it's kind of a, I think also that shift, that you know very drastic shift in time spent with your child really makes it hard as well,
0: yeah, but it sounds like I mean doing these strategic paid time off I mean that people do I, you know there there are ways to kind of get some of that time that you may be be craving, so I think that was a really smart thing that you you did then, but then things were sort of different with your your second child, so then you had another baby, you know what two and a half, three years later, right, and this was during the pandemic, you're working from home, right? Like, I I mean, how is that a different experience then?
3: Yeah, it was completely different. I did not struggle with my return to work. I was actually really ready to go back to work at 20 weeks. And, you know, our son was born in December of 2020. So I was returning to to work at the end of April, but I was still working from home full time. I didn't return to the office until March of this year. So I had, you know, his first 15 months. Uh, I worked from home. And it's just such a more gentle return to work. You're not rushing out the door. I mean, it was my husband that was (laughs) mostly rushing out the door. He was back at work, you know, three to four days a week. So he was doing the daycare drop off and pick up. And I was, you know, so we weren't having... And also, there's just been a little bit of a relaxing in the schedule since COVID, you know, especially since not everyone's back in the office. and so. We didn't have this pressure or my husband didn't have this pressure to be at his desk at a certain time like he might have or that I might have pre-COVID. So I think there's just been more of an understanding for the balance of work and family life since since COVID. And we my company has recognized that we had a tremendous year in 2020 and 2021, despite, you know, the workforce being at home. So yeah, it was just a lot more gentler return. And then I did pump I Luckily, my second son did nurse, so I didn't have to exclusively pump for him, but I pumped at my desk. I didn't have to deal with like hauling things back and forth and, you know, I just worked through my pumping sessions. I was able to do that. So it's just overall, everything just felt a little easier. And then I also, you know, it's different having one child versus two children, obviously for many reasons, but there's not really a true break when you have two children you know their their naps never seem to to line up so you know after our son was born and I returned to work the weekends were different because it wasn't like we had any time the baby was napping was our time to use as we'd like because we had the 3 year old who then eventually you know dropped his nap in the summer and fall period so you're never really like fully off when there's two so i think that's another part of it that made it easier going back with the after the second because i find being at work is easier in many ways than being home with two children and that's not to say that i don't enjoy my time with my children i do but they're very young and so it's very hands-on it's very physically taxing so i appreciate being able to you know sit at my desk and work on an excel spreadsheet or have conference calls with clients or with coworkers. i think i have a new level of appreciation for how easier that, how much easier that is for me. I can eat my lunch and no one's asking me for anything or throwing food on the floor or, you know.
0: Unless you have a particularly angry client, I guess.
3: (laughs) Yes. Unless, you know, who knows, but it's overall, it's just, you know, I have complete control over my day and that is just not the case when I'm home on the weekends with, with two children. And I think I'm very fortunate in that I, Like my job, and I really like my coworkers. And that is, you know, I haven't always liked my job or my coworkers in my various roles that I've had in the past. So I think that also makes a huge difference. I think if you didn't like what you were doing for a living, and then, you know, you're spending 40, 50 plus hours a week doing that, then, you know, that it might not be as enjoyable to be away from your children. But liking what I do and enjoying the time to focus on something I'm interested in without. Being constantly interrupted or what have you with you know a one and four year old. Yeah,
0: no, it's very true that that people who like their jobs can still go through an ambivalence, and it's helpful for people to hear that um, and to hear that they might not feel you know gung ho about work during the first few months back. But if you did like your job and you know you still like your colleagues and your coworker, you know your boss and all that, probably you will get back to that. At some point. And as you said, when we were talking earlier, you can always push forward the decision a little bit and say, well, if I still hate this when my kid is one, one and a half, you know, I can decide to leave then. Or if I have a second child and I'm still feeling the same way, I could make the decision to, you know, opt out or scale back significantly then. Um, you can still make that decision in the future. Right.
3: Yeah, that was kind of the decision, you know, back of the mind thought I had is that, you know, see how I feel in a year or, you know, when we have our second child, make a decision about the different decision about the return to work. But luckily, I worked through those feelings much faster than I
0: thought I would. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Lisa, as you know, as a a listener, we always end with a love of the week. So I can go first to, you know, give you a minute to think about it, though, I'm guessing you probably already know yours since, (laughs) again, you're a listener. Mine for this week is is somewhat of a random one. We moved three, four months ago, about four months ago now. And you fill out a change of address form on the post office website. And it's it's been, you know, it's just amazing to me how that works. I mean, there's some places I've had to write and say, by the way, my address is different now. But a lot of stuff just seems, you know, that they have alerts with the post office. And so when the post office sends back a note from, you know, they put a forwarding address on it. It gets changed in the database somewhere deep in Excel, I guess, <laughs> and uh, it's it's really quite exciting. I love when things just work. So that's mine for this week.
3: Yes, I, I remember that from our last move. It's nice that that all just magically falls into place. So my love of the week, it's uh, I would say it's taking our kids to the library again. During the pandemic, we played it, you know, really safe because I. I'm a high risk person for COVID. So we really did very little in the way of, you know, taking our children out to places and and things of that nature. But now that COVID levels have, you know, come down and we're fully vaccinated and I'm boosted and et cetera. um, I've started taking our boys to the library on Saturday mornings um, because we've had a horrible spring here in Minnesota. It's been so cold and windy and, you know, we've had snow and all manner of weather in the month of April. And so every Saturday we go down there, we can, we can walk to the library if it's nice enough. Otherwise we drive and we have different toys out for the kids again. And the four-year-old loves to pick out books. So it's just nice to have them out and about again after a very long period of just kind of being cooped up in our house when it wasn't nice enough to go to the park or go for walks.
0: It is so good to be able to go to places again. And, you know, yes, the children are picking up dermy toys and books, but, you know, we're there are vaccines now. We're feeling better about it. It's
3: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're already exposed to everything. That's true. And, and daycare, daycare. That's
0: so, right. So uh, your, uh, your children, no doubt, yeah. have robust immune systems. That was my oldest child went to daycare when he was little. And I got to say, he's the one who gets sick the least. So there you go. Yeah. We have paid our dues. You paid your dues. <laughs> exactly. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. I know you are not on um, social media, but uh, is there anywhere that listeners could connect with you if that was... Okay.
3: Yes, yes. So I have a blog. It's it's Lisa's Yarns. So it's lisa'syarns.blogspot.com. I've been blogging there since 2008. So I'm I don't go as far back as you know Sarah does, but I'm very the old school blogger, though. No, you know, product pitches or anything. It's just kind of what's going on in our lives on a day to day basis. You know, the experience of being a working mom, et cetera. But that's where you can
0: find me. Wonderful. We'll have people look for you there. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes. Thanks, Laura. It was great talking with you. All right. So that was a great interview with Lisa. She had so much wonderful ideas to share. Um, we also you know, love reading her blog. So please go check that out with Lisa's Yarns. Uh, so this question comes from a listener who is thinking about childcare here. For the last four years, her sister-in-law has been her nanny and it's been wonderful, but it's time for her to go back to school and build a different career. She has friends in her neighborhood with whom they have been in conversations about doing a nanny share with her existing nanny. She says, I know this could potentially get dicey, especially if expectations aren't clear. We'd like this to be a good experience. We'd like to preserve our friendship. We have very similar perspectives on things like food, safety expectations, and lifestyle factors, but are wondering what you can think of that we haven't considered. We know that we need to consider where the kids stay, which they're saying the neighbor's house, food, do we bring their own or use theirs and pay them, vacations, each family and the nanny, sick days, backup plans, pickup and drop-off times, how to handle medical appointments. Can you think of other things we are missing? And do you have recommendations for resources to look at? So Sarah, what's your thought?
2: Yeah, I think she's thought about a lot of details, which is great. My first thought was just to make sure everything is in writing and not just a conversation, because I can imagine a scenario where everybody has a meeting and agrees to everything. But then when there is stress and someone's sick, everyone remembers a slightly different version of a policy. So I think it's very important for everyone to agree on one, that is signed by everyone, even as, as that sounds formal. I just think it's probably a good idea when you're basically mixing two families and a nanny in one kind of business agreement. I think specifics need to be identified in particular around sickness. Like you all have to decide, can a runny-nosed kid Show up. Um, I mean, I don't know the, what the right answer is to that. They're probably all going to get the runny nose. Um, and maybe everyone's totally fine with that. And that's great. Or maybe everyone's not. But it's just got to be fair and clear so that there is not a lot of ambiguity. And I would even go into like, how about conjunctivitis? How about, you know, this, that? Obviously, you're not going to come up with every single solution, but you can come up with guidelines similar to what daycare might have, like, you know, fever over X, have to wait 24 hours, things like that. Screen time. So families have very different ideas on that. Some might think it's totally cool to have the three year olds, you know, watch a Disney movie for some downtime, and another family might be horrified by that. And so, since they're together, I think that probably is something that um, should be discussed or included. And then, yeah, just being really clear about vacations and time off and like who's allowed to make changes and by what time. Because I can imagine there might be a lot of things that could get sticky in that realm as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would suggest having a conversation with another set of families who have done a successful nanny share because they can come up with these things that you you just aren't going to think of off the top of your head when you have two people who are somebody's employer. And that is where we get to the fact that you are both her employer. So I looked into this when we had a question from somebody else come up about a nanny share a couple of years ago. So my payroll company, which is GTM, has some literature about how to do a legal nanny share on the books, which is that both of you wind up being her employer. You are both hiring her for X number of hours. You are both paying her a certain number of, you know, for hours at a certain rate. And generally what the idea is, is that each of you pays about two thirds of what a nanny would earn for per hour basis. And so then she's getting, you know, four thirds of a salary as a sort of, you know, bonus for her of, of taking this job on, of managing two employers, and you are all getting a little bit of a break on what the childcare costs would be for, you know, the, the hassle, as it were, of, of sharing your childcare with, with someone else. So, you know, that's, that's how you do it. The only thing this would ever be an issue with, you know, obviously both of you have to pay more than minimum wage because you're both legal employers. Now, I, I think for most people listening to this, you're paying your nanny a professional rate and so that it would never come into you know consideration. But just as you think about it, as some municipalities are going into like $15 per hour minimum wages, both of you are gonna have to pay at least that, right? So that's something to cons- consider that, you know, the, the rate may wind up being a little bit higher because of that, but you are gonna have to pay legally both of you have to pay over whatever your local minimum wage is. And both of you are withholding taxes and, you know, so forth. So I really encourage you to check out that at GTM, just Google GTM and nanny share. And that will give you a lot of guidance there. Awesome. Very practical. Yes. Well, this has been best of both worlds. Uh, I was interviewing Lisa Segner about working mom ambivalence and how we sometimes need to push through that and can reach working mom happiness after (laughs) the initial ambivalence, uh, which is certainly where she is now. Uh, Anyway, we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together.
2: Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram.
0: And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the best of both worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together.
1: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new
0: 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.